Halo settles, Microsoft settles, and a protocol hits the road. Happy Friday! Happy Friday, my friends! It is Friday. It's a it's a good weather outside. It's gonna be a beautiful weekend. Hopefully, your week was good. My week was, uh, was pretty good. You know, man, no, I'm still above ground. Still above ground. A little morbid. A little morbid. But uh, as usual, typically Friday mornings in a good mood. Hopefully, your week is good. And let's dive in to the news. The first thing up, which I find somewhat hilarious, is that Microsoft Teams is finally headed to the store. Headed to the store, not to buy a carton of milk, but to be downloaded from the Microsoft Store, which is a little awkward because Teams has been around since 2017. The Microsoft Store has been around since Windows 8, and they've never been able to play together, and now suddenly it looks like that's going to happen. Uh, I don't understand why it's taken so long, especially after Microsoft changed the rules with Windows 11 and, and the store about how things can be ingested into the store. Either way, you'll soon be able to download... Microsoft Teams, their premier application, and their premier OS, Windows 11, from their premier location, the Microsoft Store. It's always been awkward, whatever, getting Office apps into the store, which is where Microsoft wants everybody to be. Uh, but either way, that is coming. Also, speaking of Windows 11, SMB1. So SMB1 is an old legacy communication protocol. It is getting pulled out from Windows 11 finally forever. It has been a security vulnerability, and so it is finally going away. Now, what does this actually mean for potentially people listening to, to this podcast? Well, if you're listening to this, you're probably on modern hardware, so maybe not a big deal. But if you randomly suddenly have an old router or NAS that stops working, there's a good chance that it might be impacted by this change. So just be on the lookout if some funky things happen here in the neighborhood with the next couple updates with Windows 11. It might be related to SMB1, so just keep that in mind. Uh, Microsoft is also raising the price on the Microsoft 365 bug bounty programs, now offering up to $26,000. Typically, that will come for a remote code execution vulnerability with inside the Office suite. Um, so keep that in mind. That If you find one of these, you can make up to 26 k um, Although that still feels kind of... Bug bounties are interesting because on one side, yeah, it's great that Microsoft is offering $26,000. That's a decent chunk of change, but it's not a lot of money. Uh, if you're a security researcher, because you could probably sell this on the black market or the gray market, whatever you want to call it, to a security agency for a lot more than 26 k So, I don't know. I guess it depends where you fall on the side of the ethics side of the fence. If you want to get rich, well, there you go. Uh, Windows 10 21H2 is now available for our users. I was so confused by this when I first saw it. I was like, I thought it was 22H2. Either way, uh, if you're still running the Windows 10, don't blame me if you are, because it's still a great OS. Uh, you can now grab 21H2, or you're more than likely probably already running it. Uh, Microsoft is also starting to fill up their build catalog. Now, a lot of the saucy stuff that people listening to this and my, myself really want to see isn't going to be showing up yet, unless it's an accident, unless it's genuinely an accident. So they're filling up the sessions with your favorite Azure stuff, your server, Windows Server stuff. Uh, probably going to see some .NET MAUI. .NET MAUI is still hard to say. Uh, WinUI components and that sort of thing. So just be on the lookout for that. We're a few weeks still out. It's the end of May. Um, although we're heading into that developer season. We're going to have I.O. soon. Uh, then we'll have Build. And then we have WWDC, which is always a fantastic time to see how Google, Microsoft, and Apple kind of look at the future and say, well, this is what the, you know, sort of development priorities are for the year ahead. Now, here's something that is testing my sanity every single week, are pin tabs in Edge. Now, I, I, I tweeted this out and I'm suspecting that dear listeners, you might have experienced this too. So I use Edge every single day. I use it for work. I have three pinned tabs that I need to stay pinned. We have, we just, 
tabs that we need pinned that I use every single day. For reasons that can only be described as a cosmic bit flip, uh, they just don't show up and, and get tossed into the ether and never come back. And so I have to repin these things probably once or twice a week, and I can't figure out why. Now, it sounds like this might be more of a chromium thing rather than a, like an edge bug. But either way, uh, if you have pin tabs that just decide to unpin themselves, it sounds like you're not alone. And it's really starting to drive me nuts. So I'm trying to figure out if there's a better solution because I need I need my pin tabs. I need my pin tabs. Also, other interesting stuff. Um, since we're, Because I'm working at Starduck and we do a lot of taskbar stuff, so just some sort of inside baseball here a little bit. There's some pretty big differences between the taskbar that is shipping in Windows 11 that came out, uh, like the original release, and the beta and dev stuff to the point where it's pretty significantly updated. And we can actually see the tea leaves that Microsoft has made the taskbar in newer versions of Windows much more serviceable outside of major releases than the taskbar that shipped with Windows 11. Where does this all sort of boil down to? I suspect that we might see more updates coming to the taskbar potentially, or Microsoft playing around with it a bit more, or maybe they're already done and that's what you know, we're sort of at where we are. But either way, Microsoft has made the taskbar in Windows 11 more serviceable outside of updates. And we kind of got to see what that actually is going to mean. We've already seen some updates. Obviously the widgets on the taskbar is a major one. And I don't know if this is related to the widgets that are supposed to be coming to the store, which we'll hopefully hear about it built, if that's all tied into this, but we've seen changes to the system tray, we've seen changes to how widgets are implemented, we've also seen some other servicing backend uh, functionality, so, so uh, be on the lookout. Just, you know, just put that in your back pocket, if you will. Uh, also, if you use the Microsoft Authenticator, it can now generate strong passwords instead of weak passwords. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, it can now generate strong passwords. This has been one of those things that I feel like came out with a bang and then uh, just sort of fizzled. So at one point we were all sort of hoping and happening or hoping and happening, thinking that Microsoft was going to make a true password manager inside of Authenticator and they sort of kind of do, but it's not anything close to like a one password. And so they've been slowly dripping features into Authenticator, uh, but it doesn't feel like there's any urgency there, but either way you can now generate strong passwords through that product. And moving on to the gaming news of the week. I don't know why I always do that with a German accent or whatever. Uh, it's not even whatever. Moving on, Brad. Uh, Microsoft launches PC Game Pass in five new countries in Southeast Asia. We got Indonesia, Malaysia, Philippines, Thailand, and Vietnam all getting in on that Game Pass for PC action. This is Microsoft's pursuit of trying to grow those numbers. It looked like they were trying to juice things here a little bit. Uh, some content came out about how Microsoft was giving away more free Game Pass uh, on the PC side to help grow those numbers because they may not be as strong as uh, Microsoft would like. Also, earlier this week, we talked about or heard about how Microsoft is looking to bring more ads to free-to-play content through their own back-end servicing systems. Uh, not surprising there. Sony is also doing the exact same thing. These companies are trying to look at ways to just grow their bottom line through additional revenue means and all roads lead to, to advertising, unfortunately. Uh, and so Sony is looking at doing the same thing just like Microsoft. Also, on the Halo side, a couple of little bit tidbits of Halo here, uh, Marty O'Donnell and Mike Salvatore have re resolved their Halo royalty uh, per scuffle, scuffling, or whatever you want to call it, uh, with Microsoft. They're, we don't know all the details about how this was setting. O'Donnell and company were saying, hey, we're owed a bunch of royalties. And Microsoft is like, right, bro, are you serious? And apparently, whatever, they have solved these things. And now uh, O'Donnell is actually releasing some additional content, I think, on other YouTubes related to this. So not related to the lawsuit, but just related to Halo stuff. 
And so, uh, good. They, they're so happy together, and hopefully all parties are happy. Um, also, this week we got our first look at the next season for Halo Infinite, including my uh, personal favorite thing that might be coming, like a baby royale. Uh, it looks like, I mean, it's it's a classic royale. Sort of like gas closes in, if you're outside, you die, but you get like five lives, and you can level up your weapons as you're playing through for each kill. And so, uh, that is coming with Season 2, I believe, launching May 3rd. It's called Last Spartan Standing. I am definitely looking forward to this. So, uh, on to the questions of the week, which I somebody tweeted me a question, and I can't remember their username, so I'm going to start with that one. So, I recently said that I put a pie hole on my network, and they said, have there been any downsides to that? And there has been one notable downside to it. You'll see here in a second. So, if you're not familiar with the pie hole, it's a basically a DNS filter for your network, and so you point your router at the pie hole, and it filters out a bunch of uh, just known ad tracking lists. Now, there's been a couple hiccups, the primary one being when you use Google search, we all know what the ad searches are, are like. Uh, but there actually can be a little bit beneficial, especially for my spouse. As an example, we needed to find a dress for my daughter, and she would search, like, little girl's um, eight-year-old dress or whatever. And typically when you do that in Google, like, the top row is a bunch of pictures of dresses that you can just sort of carousel through. Well, those are all ads, and those are blocked. So uh, that was one of the downsides is that some of that ad content, like, uh, filtering can be a, a bit cumbersome. Thankfully, Piehole makes it real easy. The way you do it is you, you punch a search into Google and then it will show you what filters it's blocking. You just unblock them and then you can get that carousel back. So uh, overall, very happy with the Piehole, especially on my TVs like this one and my LG out there. It has completely ripped out uh, the ads, which has made it just a better experience and um, you get the added benefit of less ads and tracking across your entire network. And so overall, pretty good. Uh, kicking things off here, Michael Martinez says, let's consider Microsoft passing on the purchase of Slack in favor of developing teams in-house. This is spinning back the wheel of time. Uh, since Discord and Microsoft couldn't come to a deal, do you see any proprietary technology coming out of Microsoft as a direct competitor? Could Microsoft swing back and trying to pick up Discord again, given the recent public and private uh, multiple compressions? This is a fantastic conversation. So spinning back the wheel of time, Microsoft had an opportunity. It didn't have an opportunity. Considered buying Slack and said, nope, we're going to do Teams in-house. And by all means, it, it was the right decision. And then they were looking to buy Discord. And Discord said, nope, too much money, not or not enough money, and we don't think it's the right thing. Now, what has happened in the marketplace is that valuations have been compressed. Uh, just it's the natural sort of market shift that we're in. We went through a period of rapid, intense growth and, and overinflation, and that's resulting what we're seeing now. And now companies are kind of realizing, like, maybe we aren't worth as much money as we are. And so his question is, could we see Microsoft swing back around and try to pick up Discord again? I, I don't have any insight whether or not they are going to try to do that. They've already tried and got shot down. It would have to come out that Discord uh, realized, like, well, okay, our path to where we wanted to go, we aren't going to quite get there, and taking the easy cash is the way to go. I think it would be interesting still. I, Discord is such a unique thing in the gaming space that isn't really easily replicated that I think it's personally paying up for that's just me personally, and I'd love to see Microsoft buy them. Um, I don't know if they're going to swing back around unless the market really contracts and then these smaller players are having a really time struggling. That's when you can see Microsoft swoop in. Uh, Mr. PKI says, I know everyone is going to ask you if Halo Infinite Season 2 is going to improve the community usage number or not. So I thought what I would ask a Stardock question. Do you see anyone using Start 11 on their MacBook or Chromebooks that has Windows installed via Parallels? So here's one of the that I think is a good thing from our side. Uh, we don't track, we do track telemetry, but not 
like creepily tracking it. Let me, I don't want to give away too much because it's sort of like, a, it's how we do things. I don't want people to poke around it. Um, but we do capture information typically around activation of the device profile. And then we do some things to create a unique identifier from that modeling to help tie a license to a device. We do not dig through the data to look to see if they're on parallels. Uh, that's just not something that we do. And so I can't say yes and I can't say no because honestly, I don't know. We don't track down. I'm trying to think if we would have if we'd even be able to tell if it was on parallels, I think is the, the interesting thing. Um, also, the other really interesting thing about this question here actually is licensing Windows via parallels on an ARM device is a little awkward. And so people running Windows in that environment, it's a little, I, I don't, I'm not a licensing expert, but just look into licensing a Windows device running on ARM hardware. Microsoft's a little opaque about what is actually uh, going on there. Eric K says, Brad, do you think smart, oh, smart app control will become the bane of the hobbyist developer like myself who distribute mostly freeware in the form of unsigned executables? I hate to think that this technology, when it eventually becomes part of Windows 11, will think my app as untrusted. This feature can be turned off. Correct. This is a great question because this impacts Stardock too. Microsoft is making some changes to uh, the profiling and how they allow apps to run on Windows 11. You're most likely going to be familiar with the driver news that came out about letting uh, specific drivers run on Windows 11 and, and making it harder to actually do that. And so as a company like Stardock, who makes a third-party apps, or thir plural, that really poke around in the guts of Windows, this makes us a little bit nervous too. Smart app control coming to Windows 11, I think is going to be interesting because to your point, it's going to impact the people that Microsoft, it, like, it's like a monkey's paw thing, right? Uh, on one hand, it's like, yes, it's real easy. Like, this is going to make running apps on Windows 11 more secure. Like, that's that's their pitch. And then on the other hand, it's like, if you're a third-party developer, it's like, this is going to make running your apps on Windows even harder and more a pain in the butt. We already deal with security certificates. We already deal with getting things uh, greenlighted by Defender. We already deal with getting things greenlighted by, like, Battle Pass and everything else, which is a, a journey in itself. And now we have to toss in smart app control, which could just be a huge burden here uh, coming down the pipe. I don't have a great answer. Yes, I believe it can be turned off, but I don't know how bad it's going to impact third-party developers like yourself and my entire company. Uh, so it's one of those things we can sort of kind of wait and see until we get better detailed information from Microsoft about the actual backend and how you can get approved through this process and make sure your app doesn't get nuked, um, which is something that is going to be always be on the back of my mind here. Uh, Z self says, Brad and Paul, uh, what are the viable windows 10 and 11 tablets other than a surface pro eight still think the SP eight is a good machine. Yes. The surface pro eight there, in my opinion, there is not a comparable iPad in the windows world. Um, at least not one that I know of off the top of my hand that I'd recommend. There are some good ones from Lenovo, but they're not like, I don't consider them iPad competitors. They're just windows that are, they're just Windows devices that are, are tablets at the end of the day. I personally still use, uh, it's actually upstairs, that's how much I use it, the Surface Pro 8 quite frequently. I took it on my trip out west, and I will be taking it on my next trip uh, more than likely in early June. 
If you're going to get a tablet, the Surface Pro 8 is probably the best one to get, in my opinion, right now. Lenovo um, has theirs. The, I think it's the X1 Fold. Pretty good, but it, it's more of a foldable device. And I'm still not sold on foldable devices where the screen is that plasticky-like material, and then you have that crease down the middle. I'm just To me, it's too many compromises. So I can still highly recommend the Surface Pro 8. I think it's a great device. Um, it will get refreshed this year. I mean, you can keep that in mind. So maybe it's worth waiting if you're like, if you don't need one, but you want one, maybe wait until the next rev and then buy it pretty much the day it becomes available. Then you have the maximum amount of time where your device is the cream of the crop before it gets replaced by something else. And then Sydney 2K says, coming in, he says, we know you all love numbers. And yes, I do love, love, I love numbers. Uh, so, so my question has to do with the PlayStation subscription model that was recently announced and specifically the statement from Sony Interactive Entertainment President Jim Ryan saying that first party games would not be on the devices. Knowing what we know about the growth of Xbox Game Pass, especially when first party games launched uh, day and one into the service. What are your thoughts about the profitability of PlayStation subscription model if they launched? Ooh, this is a good question. Okay, so PlayStation games are launching their, their quote-unquote Game Pass competitor, but we all know that they're not getting first party day one exclusives just like Xbox Game Pass. This question is tied to is this going to impact their, their adoption growth curve? And I absolutely think it will. I, I would expect... The, the, the reason why I hesitate is the, the purchasing habits of a PlayStation user very well could be different than the purchasing habits of an Xbox user. They're two, well, they're both gaming demographics. They are different pools. It's, it's like a Ford and a Chevy. Do they have different buying, uh, you know, patterns? That we don't know. Are, they, are Sony users more likely to pay more money? Well, they're already paying roughly $70 now for each game rather than the previous $60, although I think $60 is an outdated figure. That being said, um, I do think it will absolutely impact their growth curve by the the challenge becomes that Sony has done it in a way where it makes more sense to upgrade to that $14 tier than I think Microsoft potentially has done. I still think Microsoft might just drop that entry level tier at some point and just say, look, $14.99 is it. You get all the games and that's just the way it's going to be. Um, we'll see. I don't think we have enough information and I don't, the one, the reason, only reason I'm hesitating is that Sony is more likely to give us valid and detailed information than Microsoft. The reason being is that Sony's financials are much more tied to the gaming industry than say Microsoft. Microsoft is a couple billion dollars a quarter, two to three billion, something like that. Sometimes up to four, depending on the quarter, whatever, uh, out of 30 plus billion as whereas Sony's PlayStation modeling and financials are much, a much larger percentage. And so they have to be more transparent about it. And so we should be able to actually get a good we should be able to map this a little bit better because Microsoft has shared quite a few numbers over the months or years that uh, Xbox Game Pass has been available. So this is going to go on the to-do list of paying attention to when Sony announces these figures to see if they are going to talk about subscription growth. Subscription growth. The other interesting thing to be to watching is Microsoft has told the world, hey, judge us on our subscription gaming revenue. Is Sony going to go that way too? Are they going to pivot from, don't judge us on the hardware, judge us on the subscription growth that we have for our gaming business? Maybe they will. Maybe they won't. We don't know yet. It's an interesting question. Interesting. Ooh, interesting question. So good questions this week. I, I really like the Discord. I, I like all the questions. They're, they're truly my favorite part because they give me things to kind of poke around for the next week ahead so as always everybody this has been i i don't know i'm in a good mood hopefully you are in a good mood hopefully you had a good week and we will be all back here next time so make sure to keep it subscribed here because the only bs on this podcast is me <laughs>